0: I may only know you for this brief moment in time but yet i am now representing the person that would normally be here holding your hand reassuring you and listening to your fears um yeah that was big
1: this is the james cancer-free world podcast i'm steve wortenberg and my guest is amy Reddig, and our topic is the importance of relationship-based care here at the James in the midst of the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. Amy is an advanced practice registered nurse, and she has also earned a doctor of nursing practice degree and a master of arts in lay ministry. Amy will give us a brief overview of relationship-based care, which she described in a lot more detail in episode 87. And then we'll talk about the ongoing impact of COVID, how it's created what Amy calls a new reality for the staff and certainly for patients and their families. The stress this creates and how nurses and the staff manage and try to reduce stress for themselves and for each others, how the staff has had to become surrogate families in some cases for patients, and also how to sustain a relationship during difficult times such as a lockdown and pandemic. So we have a lot of interesting topics to cover. And Amy, welcome back to the podcast.
0: Thanks, Steve. It's good to see you Um, in these times. Don't always get to see everybody, but it's good to see you, Steve. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah. These podcasts are my way to connect with people lately. So Mm -hmm. thanks for doing this. And connecting on a human level with another person in the midst of a lockdown, and and there's four inches of snow on the ground
0: today. (laughs) There is. I didn't realize it was going to stick around. I thought maybe it would just go away, and maybe so. Maybe that's like optimism. And I gotta be honest, in a way, that's kind of what we're talking about right now because we thought COVID was just going to pop up and then it was just going to go away, and it's sticking around.
1: Yeah, it sure has, and which makes your job more interesting and demanding and certainly makes relationship-based care more important. And Mm -hmm. from talking to you the last time, which was also in the midst of COVID, having that already in place, relationship-based care for the staff was sort of a foundation that's helped everyone get through these tough times. So give us a a quick overview of what it is and and your role in, in creating this program.
0: To create a caring and healing environment, to really be able to focus on that care for our patients, it means that we have to also pay attention to ourselves. So we have to be in a caring relationship with ourselves as individuals, we have to be in a caring relationship with our team so that all of the people at the table of taking care of this one patient is uh, all on the same page and able to talk to one another and able to support each other uh, during that treatment journey. And then finally, we have to be in a caring relationship with our community because the community that we serve, which actually is far-reaching, we, we have people from all over the world that come to the James for our care. Um, we have to acknowledge that we are here to do our very best to care for them and to support them and to do the important research that means making a difference for people now and in the future.
1: So that's Relationship-based care is what you do normally where people can identify when they have problems or see it in someone else and try to help them through the tools you've taught them. But boy, these past two years now, this, this, the stress is up, the hours are up. What's it like and what are you hearing sort of the stress and strain that the staff is feeling and that I'm sure has increased in how you're dealing
0: with that? Okay, Steve. This is what I'm thinking about what this created. And it it takes me back to childhood, but it it makes me think of the domino effect. So a little sidebar here. When I was growing up, dominoes were for lining up into cool patterns and you know, just knocking them all, you know, starting one and then just knocking them all down. It wasn't until much later, um, probably as a teenager, that I figured out that you could actually play a game with the little numbered pips on the domino itself. So, um, so it's kind of funny how I how I think about dominoes. But imagine if you are a, a person that works in healthcare, and you are in this little patterned line of um, dominoes and say you're the last domino in the line. Um, COVID has been like this domino effect where COVID happens, so domino number one and domino number one gets toppled into domino number two, which is how do we manage um, professional or um, uh, personal protective equipment That's domino number two. How do we manage supply lines? Domino number three. So like each one of these dominoes is one of these events in our COVID time in history.
1: And I'm picturing these dominoes as they topple getting closer and closer to the patient.
0: Yes, they're getting closer and closer to the healthcare person that is before the patient. So that's a great, that's a great one because I was only stopping at the healthcare person, but that patient is the one that's after that. Yes, exactly.
1: So continue on your line of dominoes and how you you keep that last one from falling.
0: So, we we faced so many different things, particularly in the beginning of COVID. Are we am I working at home or am I working in person? There's some scary stuff about working in person because we just didn't know about COVID. We didn't know how it was going to affect people, how contagious it was, how it was contagious, how sick people would get. We knew that people were coming, that patients were coming into the hospital with COVID, and it was very serious, um, and it and scary. Uh, in how they got infected and how the infection was taking over their body. So we knew that this was not your usual virus. We also um, worried about, we also faced having our kids not being school when we went into lockdown and, and there's no way to get out. You couldn't interact with your family. Your parents might be, in one um, home and you're in another home. And we, we learned FaceTime and we learned Zoom very quickly when it came to how we could even interact with our own personal family. So we, we had all of this going on in our work life and then we had all of this going on in our personal lives. So these are these little dominoes that are just falling over one by one by one um, and then the vaccine came. The vaccine felt very hopeful. Yeah. Um, and the uh, our our patients with cancer getting the vaccine felt very hopeful. Um, staff getting the vaccine felt very hopeful, and it it seemed as though we were gonna like be able to stop those dominoes from falling over, and. Um, then a variant came. So COVID is tricky. COVID has some wiliness to it that allows it to just change and um, impact us in different ways. So this latest thing was almost like that domino nearest to me personally and knocking me down. Um, And so it meant that we have to think about how we take care of ourselves because we at the James, we are there to take care of patients with cancer and we come there on purpose to take care of patients with cancer because we are um, curing cancer one patient at a time. And so it created a space where Things were, I just keep saying the word hard and tough and painful, but it was existentially painful.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's hard to imagine the hours and the stress you and everyone's going through and people keep tossing around the word hero and you probably, you Mm. don't like that, but I think it's applicable here. So We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, Amy and I will talk about some specific practices of self-care that she helped people work through to, to get through these dominoes falling all around them. A revolution in lung cancer treatment is happening at the James. We're proving lung cancer isn't solely defined by location and stage, but rather the individual molecules and genes that drive it. Simply put, there is no routine lung cancer. That's why our world-renowned specialists put their expertise towards treating one particular lung cancer, yours. At The James, we go beyond the routine to prevent, detect, treat, and cure your lung cancer. To learn more, call 1-800-293-5066. We're back with Amy Reddig, and we're talking about relationship-based care. And Amy, when we left off, you had talked about your domino theory. And over the break, you mentioned you wanted to talk about one more little thing, that final domino.
0: So the idea of, that I had about having the healthcare person as the last domino, and you made that really good observation that the patient is that last domino. It It struck me that perhaps with the healthcare person, nurse, physician, um, J-PASS, being the domino before the patient, there is a shield protective type of responsibility there. And it makes me wonder if Hero, which has been a tough one, for many um, nurses, physicians and others that work in healthcare to grapple with because of the responsibility that comes with that, a part of us does take that on uh, to protect the patient, to do um, our utmost, to know the best treatment and care for a patient and their family so it makes me think that perhaps there's something not bad about feeling heroic.
1: Ah, uh, see, heroic is the word. Maybe if someone <laughs> doesn't like the word that if you say they're a hero, you say, Well, you do heroic things on a regular basis at work. We yeah, can maybe we can live with that one, right? Yeah. Even if yeah, you're modest, like you can live with that. So yeah. And so your hero superpowers are helping people deal with all these things and keeping those dominoes upright. So let's talk about a couple of the the self-care practices that you help people with.
0: Great. Actually, I would love to highlight the fact that we've got two other podcasts that directly relate to this. One is episode, let me find it, um, episode 93, where we talked about our brief emotional support team and how we help train folks that work in healthcare to pay attention and care for others in a, in a brief way. Hey, do you need to go get a cup of coffee? I'll watch your patients for you. Or maybe you need to take a break and get a walk out there. So we have um, a great podcast on that. And then the other one is... Wait,
1: before you go yeah, on, I, I want to ask you a question. How do you recognize in someone oh. the need to go over to them and say, hey, looks like you could use a break? What, what are the signs, the symptoms you see in someone who's a, a little stressed out?
0: Thank you, Steve, for asking that. That's a great question. It, it means... That if I recognize in another person that they may need a break, number one, I've got a relationship with that person. So I know them as a person. I know and recognize what their um, general behavior is. If I see an effervescent staff member all of a sudden being very quiet and withdrawn, then I might reach out and say, Hi, Sally. how you doing today? Um, you seem you seem quiet so noticing when there's a difference in a person's general being that's kind of how you that's kind of how you know those things.
1: yeah, as you were saying that, I'm thinking, well, you're a family, and I know the members mm-hmm. of my family, and I can easily tell when something's off with them. So you're so close in such a family that you can easily tell the mood indicators. <laughs>
0: Wow, Steve, thank you for saying that about being family, because we do pride ourselves on being a family at the James. It, it makes a difference. Yeah.
1: And I think before I broke in with that, you were going to talk about the second podcast, which is was about, I remember the acronym, but I don't remember what it stands for, DESC. <laughs>
0: Yeah, desk. So that was episode number ninety-six, and um, desk stands for a way of having it. It is an acronym that, if if you practice it and remember it, you can use it as a way to have hard conversations. Um, and the the desk stands for D is described, so describing a behavior um, as objectively as possible. Then the E is expressing, would be expressing my feelings or thoughts about that behavior. And then S would be specify, specify an outcome or or a behavior that I I would prefer to happen. And then consequences are um, the good that can come from being in relationship in this other way. And um, Ruth did a, a beautiful job describing that.
1: Yeah. And that I remember episode. I remember talking to Ruth about that and thinking as she said it, and, and she thought I was uh, was right, and that this is something that's not just for people working in a hospital, mm-hmm. that desk can help anyone who works anywhere and also in your personal life to mm-hmm. describe what you're feeling, express it, specify the issues, and then Talk about the consequences, which hopefully will lead to maybe not always a resolution, but at least a better understanding. So you can come together.
0: Exactly. I use this with my nephews all the time.
1: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, does it work? <laughs> I, I won't. Oh, even, Don't yeah, ask. <laughs> I, I won't. Yeah, I won't ask what what it, what they do that ne- requires the desk theory. Yeah. So
0: I know I feel better after using it. So does
1: it, does it work that's, with our, that's helpful? Does it work with cats and dogs?
0: Not with my dog. Yeah. So yeah. far, <laughs> still, still, we're still working on that. You know, Steve. Another thing that we are doing at the James is a um, activity called Claiming Resilience, which is an intentional facilitated conversation where people come to the table speaking with intention, and listening with attention, helping to create this safe space to have the conversations that you don't necessarily have on the unit, or maybe you can't have with other people. The opportunity allows all of us to realize that we are not alone in these times, that what we are thinking and feeling, there are other people thinking and feeling the same way. And finding that out is so supportive.
1: How many of these have you done?
0: We have hosted over 500 of these over since 2017. And we thought we would have to stop during COVID, but we Used virtual, we use Zoom, and it has been it has been profound. It, it for those that attend, it impacts people in a way that gives them the sense of being part of something um, bigger than themselves. Yet, recognizing and validating how important they are as part of that, um, yeah. I would say we've probably had a thousand encounters and encounters means that these aren't unique individuals. People come back to these conversations. Um, But there've been a thousand people, a thousand times that people have engaged with an intentional facilitated conversation.
1: So we've talked a lot about the stress that the staff feels and all these different techniques to work on them and to reduce them, I guess you can't totally eliminate them because we just live in stressful times and people at the James have stressful jobs. But the, when we look at that, those dominoes coming to the patient, why is it so important for the staff to, to work on these things and be present and reduce their stress as they walk into a room of a patient? Mm-hmm.
0: That is a very what you're asking is what i'm hearing is that if if i am over if i am overwhelmed with stress that is not of my choosing you mentioned that working in healthcare is a stress and it's a stress that we choose we 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 choose to to meet the challenge of treating disease and caring for other people so that they are Um, living the best lives that they can. When we are overwhelmed with stress that is not of our choosing, like much of what we've said about COVID to this point, it was not of our choosing, this type of stress. And we become more self-focused. I may not be able to listen as well, Um, I may not be able to um, pay attention. My attention span might be shorter. Um, I may not be able to physically keep up as I am continuing to fight against these extra stressors. So those are some of the things that Emotionally, I may feel very depleted. Uh, My energy may become low. And so I'm in a space where I am challenged to be the best clinician that I can be. I would say that for the most part, our staff and our teams are sustaining our James level of providing care to our patients and their families. I don't see our, our, our patients are grateful for what we provide. And we hear that from them and our patients reach out to us for the support that they need. If, People don't think they can get support from you. They are not going to reach out to you. Our patients reach out. Our patients interact. Our patients are in relationship with us. And they know that we are here to take care of them.
1: And, and I've heard that some of these relationships have become even, in, even stronger during COVID mm-hmm. because of there, at certain times, and it depends on, on how widespread the pandemic is, that patients can have visitors and that the staff has to assume that role as well.
0: That was a a shocker, I think, to so many people. We have worked so hard in healthcare to make the inpatient hospital experience much more accessible to the patient and their family and recognizing that the family is part of the healing team for that patient. That during COVID, when we had to turn visitors away from our patients, it it hurt. It, it was it was heartbreaking to have to do that, to experience it, and then to realize that. So I'm gonna use my like I terms here, that me as your nurse is a, is only a substitute. I was going to say a poor substitute, but I'm a substitute for your family. And I become this surrogate person in your family that I may only know you for this brief moment in time, but yet I am now representing the person that would normally be here, holding your hand, reassuring you and, and listening to your fears. Um, yeah, that was big.
1: Amy, um, you've talked about all the stress and, and issues other people are having, but, but how about you? You're you, I won't call you a hero, but you do heroic things on a regular basis. How do you handle this? What are you doing to, to reduce stress?
0: Steve, thank you so much for asking about me. Um, I appreciate that. I have very much focused on being present and being mindful and my main intervention to take care of myself as a nurse. So my own nursing care plan has been to breathe with purpose as often as I need to do that. And if it is a simple three deep breaths, if it is even simpler and one deep breath before I engage with someone or before I sit down to um, communicate in a way that might be difficult. I also do um, the different breathing apps that are out there um, like Headspace or Calm or Just Breathe. I'll set a timer. My Apple iWatch tells me to breathe. And when the iWatch goes off, I can focus on actually paying attention to my breath without judging any thoughts that drift in. It is an intentional way to reconnect to myself which also has a physiological effect on me because it helps me to get out of my brain thinking that I am only here to survive right now and allow me to make choices um, with a higher perspective. And it, I use it for everything, So not just for myself, but I also use it in the different interventions that I provide for um, our healthcare faculty and staff.
1: Oh, good. Can you give me a real quick one, teach me a real quick one that I can do before each podcast to help me Mm
0: -hmm.
1: center and forget about the rest of the world and concentrate on the podcast?
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I would say that... Um, for, and, and I like to, and it's helpful to kind of tailor, tailor them to the person and what their experience is. I would recommend, um, considering three deep breaths and with each breath, having a very specific and a specific intention for your podcast before the podcast. So it might be your first breath in is I am calm. And you breathe in deep and you let it out. I am prepared and you breathe in deep and you let it out and I am ready. You breathe it in and you breathe it out. Um, And you're breathing deeply so that your lungs are expanding. So when your lungs expand, they, um, they touch on nerves that create a... Um, a response that engages your parasympathetic nervous system, which gives you higher brain thinking, choice, perspective—fantastic stuff—and not just stuck in. Okay, this person is either going to hurt me, or I need to run away from them, or hide under my desk.
1: Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna start doing that. Those three breaths, well, four. One for to calm, prepare to get ready. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Okay. Well, thank you, Amy, once again. You're you're a great guest and you really help us understand the the stress and the strain that the James staff have. And, and also the the all the tools and resources that are committed to helping the staff and your big part in in doing that. And and I, I, again I won't use the word hero, but the heroic. Steps and things that you and everyone at the James does on a regular basis. So, thank you.
0: Thank you, Steve. It's always a pleasure and very easy to talk about relationships and caring and a healing environment.
1: Okay, I'm going to take one deep breath, relax, and then read the outro. So, here we go. This podcast is brought to you by the Ohio State University Comprehensive Cancer Center. Arthur G. James Cancer Hospital and Richard J. Solove Research Institute. For more information, check out our website, cancer.osu.edu.